Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And welcome back in. Third and final hour on Wednesday. That means it's time for Midweek with the Mayor. Your Bedford Mayor John Mitchell is here with us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Tim. How are you? I'm doing all right. I, got, I guess I got to ask you the what has become the question of the day. Veggie burgers, yay or nay? Uh, yeah, it's just not for me. <laughs> Have you tried the Impossible Burgers, the Beyond I Burgers? I tried uh, some of that stuff. My daughter, Natalie, buys buys those things, or at least she did. And so, you know, sometimes they're in the bottom of the freezer in my house and so i'll throw i threw it on the grill once and uh yeah it was it was okay i mean it wasn't like like i wasn't uh you know i didn't find it repulsive or anything but it just i prefer meat beef yeah well we we got it i got into it with a caller about you know because i just said offhand you know you can't eat can't eat a burger every day and she was like yes you can you absolutely can i'm like well i I suppose it's like anything else so if you take Whatever matter that is, you could you could cook it up and then slather it in spices and stuff, and yeah, you can't really tell the difference. That's pretty much what the uh, the Impossible Burgers are. Yeah. And 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 when the first time I ever tasted it, I was like, it it does taste like meat. And I don't I don't know if that weirds me out or not. Like how easily they made this taste like meat. And then I started to think, does everything just taste the same to me now? Is that the problem? Maybe maybe that's it. Maybe it it's could, about you, Tim. It could be it. Speaking of uh, speaking of food, I I didn't get over to the state of the city. I came back here and ran the technical part of it. But good lunch. You know, I didn't I didn't eat it. Like, what? Well, you know, it's like. Here's the thing. I, I'd show up and, you know, I, I'm concerned about, you know, getting up in front of five or 600 people, however many are there and having, um, you know, spilled a drink on myself or, <laughs> or my food all, all, all across my shirt. So I, there's that, but I, I've eaten, I've eaten before, but I just don't want to be like, I did the same thing before. I had to get up and ahead of time. I had to speak at a sure function that had food. People, people seem to have liked the food, but. I had to speak at a function that had food, and I purposely waited till after I spoke to eat because yeah. I knew I would just spill something on myself and be standing up there, and everybody'd be looking at me. Yeah. Uh, but the speech, uh, you know, was very well received. Um, uh, you had the the opportunity to highlight a lot of great things that were going on, and mention some things that are coming in the future too. Yeah, I think you know, I just encourage people to either go on the city's website and read it yourself, or uh, go on cable access. It's also on social media, so you can can watch it but you know what we try to do in those speeches is uh, account for what's going on and point uh the way forward and and you know this year 
I think as you take stock of stuff and as you look back over the last decade, there has been it's we're in a funny time, right? There is all the stuff that's going on nationally and internationally, all the uncertainty concerning inflation and uh, the Ukraine war, um, all the geopolitical stuff that's going on. There's a lot of tension. We just got done with a pandemic, a 100-year pandemic. So it's kind of a funny, uncertain time like that. But at the same time, in the city of New Bedford, there's been, you know, a considerable amount of progress, right? So ranging from you know, graduation rates to crime stats to the city's bond rating, uh, all the trees we've planted, all, all those things, right, where, you know, we've talked about before and we're very proud of the progress they're still making. And but there's also it's, we're also at a point where we'll, this year in 2023 we're getting to completion of a lot of things that we've been working on for a long time and so those things include the arrival of the offshore wind industry which is just a matter of a couple of weeks out right, with the arrival of the first components for the Vineyard Wind Project America's first commercial scale offshore wind project the start of rail service between New Bedford, passenger rail service between New Bedford and Boston, that's starting. Um, the every development of the Eversource site at long last, that was going to be an aquarium and then a casino, and now that's actually moving forward to the state pier. We've worked very hard on for many, many years, for like the entire time I've been in office, and now that's moving forward with a development team. So that's, that's really exciting. And then there's... Uh, the, the, the harbor cleanup, which has taken 40 years, we just got the last slug of money f- for that to, to be finished up. So these things are all happening. And then you add into that, like the First Baptist Church is going to open as a performing arts center. The armory is going to be turned over to the city. Um, there's a long list, right? And so you know, in some ways, it's like we're like, – there were lots of folks who worked very hard on those projects and really persisted and t- and, and, and really bore down on them. But now it's like, well, okay, now what? Now those things have come to completion, all these things we've been talking about for so many years. And I think the now what question is, well, we keep doing what we're doing. We're, we're building a stronger city. We're built, trying to build a city that can stand on its own two feet and is not dependent on the, the good graces of others to sustain itself. So, you know, how do we do that And the way – where we're really building building a city that is the cultural and economic center of this entire region. That's and, and uh, really elevating its stature, not just here, not just in the state, but nationally. I don't mean to sound grandiose about it, but um, you know, New Bedford's a, an important place. Um, it's certainly a very important place when it comes to maritime matters, right? And we're we're really trying to build a city that is that that thrives, so that everybody can have opportunity here and, and live a good life. So, um, you know, it means that we need to continue to reinvest in the city, especially in those things that we do well, especially in the maritime areas, the cultural areas as well, and uh, as well as in manufacturing. And those things are all happening right now. It means that we have to provide services to our residents to enable them to thrive. That means safe streets, safe neighborhoods, housing, uh, expansion. It means keeping the place clean and neat and orderly. It means uh, continuing the uh, the work uh, that we've been on for so long to improve our schools uh, and to do it in a way that is affordable for everybody. That's 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 important. And then also just to 
support and cultivate a sense of place. Like New Bedford is a special place, and and we have to continue to cultivate that sense and um, in our the people who live here and the people who, who don't live here who come here, right? And it's not just a matter of keeping the place clean, but reinforcing the idea that uh, reinforcing the city's history and the story uh, of New Bedford is important, getting people to uh, to really uh, bring their ideas forward to so that they can shape the New Bedford of the future and then just really to um, allow for the um, the embracing of, of the place. That is that is really what we're trying to do here. And, and, you know, we've made progress over the years, but cities are not built in a day, nor are they ever stopped being built. Um, but it's for us to really to do the things necessary now so that our kids and our grandchildren can be well-situated and have a great city to, to, to live in. You mentioned cleanliness a, f- a few times there, and that's a that's a new initiative that you announced. And I think that's part of, you know, what really helps people with civic pride is, if they not only seeing a cleaner city, but seeing something themselves, pointing it out and seeing that action turn into, you know, action that's actually made to make the city cleaner, I think inspires people to want to do more and inspires pride within them. Yeah, we, I mean, we, we announced a couple of things um, related to that. So you know, for a number of years now, we've, I mean, I think people would agree that the city is, feels cleaner. And that's because we've been really compulsive about ensuring that landlords don't let their properties slip into Disrepair or shabbiness, right? We've been uh, we've been compulsive about removing graffiti. We've been consistent about sweeping streets. We've been consistent about picking up the garbage. The whole new garbage. I mean, it's been a few years now, but the whole trash. The way we do trash now is far more orderly and and removes a lot of trash from the streets than what existed before. All those automated. Arms that now Harvey and ABC, Harvey Industries now ABC disposal before them uh, began using that uh, made things cleaner. So all this, all the tree plantings that we've done, all these things add up to a, a place that looks nicer. And so as we go forward, you know, how do you sustain that? Well, one way to do it is you set down a standard of what the city what what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. We want on the one hand, you it's not acceptable to have. Uh, trash and blowing all over the place on trash day right so um but on the other hand we don't expect city government to be like a maid service right we don't uh city government's not going to go out and cut people's lawns and trim their hedges and make sure every every blade of grass is in place so when we we having an agreed upon standard of what's the city government is responsible for is is important so we release that people should take a look at it it's on the city's website we'll continue to promote that on the other hand residents have responsibilities too which are fairly modest but important if everybody lives up to them so that includes things like well just picking up after yourself like throwing stuff in the garbage and not just chucking stuff out the window it's it's really not too much to ask if you live here you know treat it treat your city like you own every square inch of it right not just your property but everywhere so that includes driving down the road and make make you know not throwing stuff out the window that's and then when there is a something to rip uh, that's wrong. Report it. Don't just say, "Well, look at the trash on, or look at that mattress that's, you know, leaning up against the house." I'm going to take a picture and post it on Facebook. Well, how about this? Instead, why don't you just call the city and let them know that it's there, so the city can come pick it up? It's not 
asking too much, right? But what the standard of appearance document that we released suggests poses really to the public as a covenant, right? There are obligations of residents and there's the obligations of the city. And if we work together, the place and, and live up to those mutual expectations, uh, the place will get even better still. And I've set down the goal and I'm not, don't shy away from this at all. I think we can be the, the cleanest center city in New England. I say New England because, you know, some of this has to, when you live in a warmer climate, it's sometimes easier to pick up stuff, right? There isn't stuff blown over in the wind and things like that. And uh, the trees stay in bloom for longer. But, but um, yeah, and I think, frankly, as you go, if you go to like what are truly center cities around New England, so Providence, Boston, Worcester, New Haven, Springfield, Manchester, New Hampshire, all these places, those are our markers of comparison. And, uh, I would submit, and um, not satellite cities around Boston. That's just a very different animal. But look at look at them, and and uh, you know those those are the ones we should be comparing ourselves against. And uh, I think we can, if we put our work into it, we can we can be the best, the, the cleanest city in um, uh, in the in the entire Northeast. And that's that's what that's what we aspire to do. And and part of that is putting in a three one one system. And that's the other part. So that was the other big announcement. So. Um, having a 311 system in place can make a big difference. So that makes it easier on residents to get in touch with city government about whatever is appearing out on the street that needs the city's attention, right? So uh, for everyone, if you're not familiar with a 311 system, a 311 system allows city government, just it allows residents just to call 311, not 911, not 411, but 311 and just say, yeah, there's this tree branch that needs to be cut down uh, just from the street tree. It's been hanging there for a while. Can you get to it? Whatever the issue is, a pothole. And, you know, we've had in place a what in effect is the same thing on the C-Click Fix app for, for um, iPhones. And, you know, people use that. I think we can get more usage if we do that, keep that in place, and also add into that a 311 system. So that's... That's that's the idea. We want to make it easy. There are a number of big cities that have three one one systems. I don't think that they should be limited to big cities. We should have one too, and I th- it's going to take us a little while to to implement it. But uh, I think by this time next year, we will. We'll, um, and that's what we're shooting for to have have it in place so that our, it's available to our residents so that they can interact even more easily with city government. And that's the system that would allow you to to leave a message. It's not a live dispatch. It'd be a message that you would leave. Well, uh, it would be during work hours a, a live oh. dispatch. Yeah, yeah. And it's not to say that everything gets dispatched all at once. Right. right? There's got to be a prioritization if it's something that poses. And this is true now with the way we handle constituent issues, right, resident issues, which is, look, someone calls in for something and says, let's just say it's, you know, not something major like repave my entire street um, or, you know, go build a softball field at the park down the street. But, but like, there's a pothole, there's a hanging tree branch. You know, if, if, it's, if it's something that poses a danger to people or property, that goes right to the top of the list. There are some things that go, other things that go right to the top of the list. Like graffiti goes to the top of the list because the idea with graffiti is if you deprive the graffiti artist, I use that term very loosely, of the, the, the chance to admire his or her work, then you will, um, it'll be, 
become less likely you'll see graffiti in the future. And that's what's happened in New Bedford. Like it's not there's I defy anybody to go to another city in the Northeast and find less graffiti, like a true center city. It's yeah, we we have a lot less graffiti, and it's not by accident. It's because our guys jump on it really fast, and that's been our policy for a while. So, um, so, but for other things that you know, crack in my sidewalk. Well, it may not be. It's something you have to attend to, but it's not going to be like, well, we're going to turn that around in 24 hours because our crews can't go running running around from one thing to another. Uh, it just doesn't. It doesn't. You've, you, there has to be some triaging of. Of um, of, uh, of tasks that so that we can do it in an orderly way and not just be running around like chickens with our heads cut off. So that's that I think people just need to understand that if there is a chicken with their head cut off, don't call three one one about don't, it. Yeah, don't. Yeah. So yeah, or, yeah don't call nine one one either. You get, you get my point though. It's not like we don't. There's got to be some prioritization so that we can it can be we can address the most serious things first. Absolutely. Well, why don't we take our first break? When we come back, we can talk about the capital improvement plan that was announced. We'll talk about the uh, sustaining of the vetoes of the ballot questions and so much more. If you have any questions for the mayor, 508-996-0500. All right. Welcome back to Midweek with the Mayor. New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell here with us. And we have a couple calls here on the line, so let's try and squeeze those in. Uh, good morning. You are on with Mayor Mitchell. Hello. Hello, Tim. Is this the Am I on? Yes. You're on with the mayor. Hey, hey, Tim. Hi, Mayor. Hi, how are you? Good, good. Um, my question is is about the opera fund for the small businesses. Yep. Um, you know, speaking for myself and, and behalf of the small business here, we, we applied for it. Uh, you know, been told that it's been approved and, and all set. Um, you know, and then we still get nothing. Uh, and then every time you call someone, you know, it's they're pointing their fingers. Uh, you know, they're saying that it's all set, you know, it's, it's available. But then you find out that it's being held up by the city because of some burning around. Um, in the beginning, they were passing it out, and all of a sudden they stopped. Um, I don't know if you can tell up well when it will be available. Um, you know, so are you talking, just, yeah, if I could, yeah, so let me just ask you a question. So, yeah. So I, I appreciate your patience with it. I think there were some some of the funds for at least two of the programs were a little slow to go out because there was some legal questions around concern the ARPA regulations and whether um, who was eligible and who was not eligible. I think it had to do with the location of the businesses. Like a lot of the ARPA regulations, um, uh, a lot of it's in certain part certain for certain types of of expenditures, ARPA funds uh, have to be uh, directed to what are called qualified census tracts. So some of the so some of New Bedford's census tracts um, are um, fall into that category, and some don't. So I think there was a little bit of there was an open question about whether we could spend money outside of the outside of those census tracts. So if you think about it, like. In the far north end and on the peninsula and parts of the west end, those a lot of those are ineligible census tracts. I think we've worked through those issues. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. Why don't you just do this? If you wouldn't mind, instead of giving your information out o- over the air, why don't you just mm-hmm. you can call my office right now and we can tell you uh, definitively where your application stands because it's hard for me to just say in your your particular case. Um, right, right. Well, I know it. 
They can follow up. I know that, that I've been. I already know that I've been called from your office. That everything is uh, is all set. Um, okay. And then, so then, when I call on the economic development center, they they still get nothing because they haven't been told to go ahead and issue it yet. Because, like I said, there's this hold up, and um, yeah, it, it's it's it just gets frustrating because you know some of the small businesses can use the help. And what happens is it's just not a road that's it's not there or something happens and they just become another statistic in the, in the Yeah, my my understand my understanding is that those those funds uh, are available now. So why don't you just so if you were my I think the easiest way is just call my office, we will follow up promptly for you to right. and let you know exactly where that, that stands. There was a hold up and it was a it was over a legal a legal matter. Legal right. question, and I think that that has been resolved. All right, okay. I'll just say one one other thing. Just to, you know, I don't mean to keep yeah. you on it, but I just it's worth noting. I th- it, one of the difficulties we found with ARPA funds, I think ARPA funds are going to a lot of great investments, like storefronts, and they've gone to housing, right. gone to other stuff, right? But um, it, it, it's the law was passed, and then there was a whole lot of regulations that were issued, and they were just countless questions around um, what the regulations meant and you know that that kind of thing happens but uh, what's but we have to I mean we've my, my and I think a lot of cities have pushed it out uh, without asking those like the hard legal questions we just want to make sure and I can be faulted for slowing things down a little bit by ask by making sure that the lawyers have taken a look at everything but we just yeah. don't want to we, we don't want to <laughs> we're trying we're trying very hard to ensure that we're complying exactly with the, the letter of the regulations and sometimes that just takes more time all right thank you for the call well, thank you thank you and uh callers hang on we will get to you but uh you know kind of piggybacking off the 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 arpa funds and and that that came so that came up as part of the discussion when we were discussing the capital improvement plan uh we we're talking about it on the news and kate mentions that the zyterian is getting seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars as part of that plan and folks A call part of the, uh, the capital improvement plan yeah. and folks are calling in and saying but i thought the zyterian just got all kinds of arpa funding so i wanted it to did. give you the chance to explain the difference as to what as to why these funds are needed yeah. So, yeah. The, so the the, the Zyterian got funds, uh, ARPA funds, uh, for its its new plan. It also uh, got funds from the state, not as much, but got some funds from the state also for its new expansion and and upgrades and and all that stuff. And that's that's moving along. I think they still have some additional funds to raise, but they've raised a considerable amount of money. Their project, I think, is like thirty-one million dollars, and they've raised most of that already. So that's all good. We there are some near-term fixes for that building that have to happen, uh, and it makes. And we have over the years, the city has put, has made, has funded those types of repair. These have to do with code uh, code compliance. I think it may have to do with handicap accessibility. I'm not sure exactly what the nature of the code compliance is, but it's of a type that we. We have um, spent city funds for in the historically. I remind people that the Zyterian Theater is a city-owned building, right? So it's not like we're giving this away to, you know, to somebody to sort of fix up their own their own building instead of they're raising their own cash. It's a city-owned building. It is subject to the city 
building code and city fire code and so these are that's funds that will will go in for that that purpose yeah it's the same as if you know if you're a landlord and the building isn't up to code you can't ask the residents to take money and utilize that to do it you have to you're responsible as the landlord to make sure it's up to code well, yeah. So the city's subject to those to those rules, and so we've over the years have used city-owned funds for that that purpose, and so it's no different now. And uh, also, since you mentioned roads earlier too, and that's the biggest allocation in this plan, you know, we, we've talked about this investing three million dollars into the into the roads around the city. Right. So I talked about it at, at length in the in the uh, state of the city address. So. You know, when I got into office, the city did not have a capital plan. In other words, it didn't have a plan for reinvesting in the assets that it owns. So that includes roads and city buildings and such. And when those things got fixed, it was all sort of catch as catch can. It was ad hoc. It was, well, so there's, there's a roof leaking. Let's go fix it. Uh, or this road's pretty beat up. Let's go push some funds aside, put some funds aside to, to deal with it instead of having a routine in place in which there's a certain amount of money every single year that's committed to keeping everything up. And if you do that, if it becomes routine, then it's not going to let go. Because the city for many years didn't have a plan in place, stuff started to fall apart. It includes buildings and includes, as we've seen, uh, the city's roads. So what we've done is we said, look, um, we're going to do we, – we, we, the city, get about $2 million a year from the state to keep up our roads. It's not enough. It hasn't been enough. It hasn't gone up at all, and it's, it's totally insufficient. But I think that was – for years the city said that's, that's, that's all we're going to do. We've done a, a lot more. We've been putting money in every single year into roads and uh, going back about six years six years now i'd say seven years and that's and the amount now for the last couple of years and going forward is about three million bucks which is a, a significant amount of money so the, the city roadways are getting over time it will be at a level of refunding or i should say refunding of maintenance or routine maintenance that will eventually become evident or people will say oh yeah look the roads are uh, are in better shape. I think in the last couple of years, people have started to see it, and the complaints about the roads have have definitely decreased. But there's still a ways to go. And I would just say to people, look, you know, we're on a pathway to making it um, uh, a lot better, and it's just going to take a little bit of time. But that's that's something that we we have to do as a city. And this will certainly help. Let's um, let's take another phone call here. Good morning. You are next with Mayor Mitchell. Hi. Hello. Hi. So this is really important, mm-hmm. um, and I feel bad because everybody's talking about money funding for this and that. Mm-hmm. So my dilemma is, and I got to put it out there. I'm sorry, but um, you need to know this, Mia. Um, pace is, and for people that don't know what pace is, it's for fuel assistance mm-hmm. for low income people, or or maybe you're just in a bad situation one year, which I was this past. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, I applied for it, and I got allotted eleven hundred dollars, and um, they paid the gas bill, but Pace has not paid my electric bill. Um, I had a shut off notice. For everybody, when I called Pace, my shut off notice was for Monday, and they said, "Oh, everybody's getting shut off. Don't worry, you're fine. You're fine." Well, that's not fine with the electric company, and so I don't give a hoot any. So I'm, I'm like, please, please, you know. They, and they're like, even NSTAR said, well, I see that you got a lot of that money. 
we'll wait for them. They got to give us some kind of promise. They didn't do it. And Monday came and Monday passed. I still have my electric because I begged the electric company for an extension till tomorrow, the 11th. And um, I've been on the phone every day with Pace. And they just keep brushing me off. I'm like, don't you want my case number? Don't you want? No, no, no. Blah, blah, blah. And um, this is really bad because I, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to have a heart attack over this. this. Nobody should stress out over this. And I asked them yesterday, like, I wasn't even asking. At this point, I'm, like, crying. I'm, like, going, what, what are you doing with the money that was allotted? What, what's wrong with you people there? Pace, right there in New Bedford. Um, I, I can't be the only one going through this. And um, they kind of just tell me, don't worry, don't worry. And I call the electric company again. It's, I, I've never in my life. I'm, I'm like saying, oh, my stars, like, what well, the heck is going on there? And then the worst thing that happened is after talking to Pace, they told me, oh, don't worry, it's going to be all settled. Well, here we are today, and they did not pay it yet. But the worst thing that happened last yesterday evening, I got this phone number, and you need to put this out there, Tim um, and Mr. Mayor. Uh, I got a phone number from 978-705-0277, and it's some kind of mocking He's I answered the phone. He goes, well, I want to talk to you more about your electrical problem. And I'm like, wait. I mean, he didn't even present himself so, as case or So somebody, somebody's taking advantage of your situation for oh, a potential that? scam. Where did, well, where did you get that? Right? Yeah. Tim, where did you get that? Obviously from Pace. I, I I don't know. Let's 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 see if the the mayor has a response. Hold on, hold hold on, hold on, because I've got I've got I'm, I want to help you, but we've got limited time. So okay, let me right. let me get but the I mayor's response. Pay, and pay and told me they're gonna pay. okay, I'm 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 turning you down. Well, I'm I'm sorry about your situation. That to get jammed up like that is is uh, is, a, is really unfortunate and. Um, you know, we all have to rely on uh, electricity, obviously, to run, run our affairs. And so, um, yeah, we certainly don't want to see you uh, have to contend with having your, your electricity service uh, shut off. So I'm very sorry you're in that spot. Um, what we can do is – so I, it's hard for me to comment on your particular situation. FACE does a very good job um, in – you know, not only administering the fuel assistance program, but also administering uh, the Head Start program in the city. They do a whole lot with housing. They do a number of other services for, for people in, in need. And uh, so uh, we have a good re- working relationship with, uh, with PACE, and uh, we're happy to, happy to call them on, um, on your behalf. We can do the outreach. You can call my office just to connect up. Uh, with them, if if uh, you'd like, and we can um, see if there's anything that uh, that can be done. It's hard for me, just based on on you know, without knowing the background, to to say what definitively can can happen. But we'll uh, we'll we'll do our best. Right, and and I, and I would just recommend that you could also speak with the electric company about a payment plan. Just no, to, the thing well, is, is I've already allotted that money. There is I, no. I know, but at least then they'll extend you not being shut off. So at least it gets you into a situation where you're not in the in the in the system. Kim, I got the extension. This is it. 
There's no more saving grace. No, I mean, that's just it's one thing that I was trying to help you with. I, I got to hold you there because I've got other calls. No, listen, and, it's uh, great. And I don't want to I don't want to knock the program for everybody out there. Pace is great. It's good for people who are in the program for um, alcoholism, any kind of abuse, physical, you know, it's there. It's fantastic. But they're just not what's going on down there on Union Street for um, fuel assistance is messed. And then they get that phone number from that guy. Thank God I'm smart enough to have not given him all my information. Right. All right. I, I just got to hold you there because I, I got to take a break. I've got a lot of other calls and other things to cover with the mayor, and we'll see if we can help you out with that. So definitely reach out to his office, and they'll see if uh, they can find out some more. Got to take a break. Be back in a few. And welcome back to Midweek with the Mayor. I see your calls. We will try to get to them, but I have a couple other topics that I want to bring up with Mayor Mitchell. Uh, the first is the, you know, the MBTA story really – you know, um, caught a lot of wind outside the area. It wasn't really something that a lot of people were calling in to talk with us about, um, but certainly some of the local delegation had some things to say about this. Can you walk us through what's going on with with the city and the MBTA and, and where that might stand right now? Yeah, I mean, uh, so I guess the bottom line is we're in the same place where we were before, which is we're trying to negotiate uh, with, with, with them. Uh, over uh, how much money they'll pay the city for land that they took from the city. Um, yeah, look, it's so uh, it's, it's it's unfortunate that um, yeah, it got the play in the Boston media. Uh, it did. That not a lot of there aren't there isn't a lot of there are a lot of folks here who read the Boston Globe, but it certainly got a lot of play up in up in the Boston area uh, for reasons that escape me but in any case um you know, look so the mbta is part of the south coast rail project has taken property in a number of places um to allow for the project to move forward and that's all that's that's fine that's that's it, it, that they need that to build a project sure but when they take property when government takes property it's supposed to uh provide it's supposed to pay for the property and it's supposed to pay an amount that's equivalent to fair market value, however that's defined. And, they, and those things get worked out. It gets this, it works, that works that way here in Massachusetts, works that way everywhere across the country. Um, the problem with the MBTA is that they have engaged in a pattern of shortchanging property owners. Uh, before any of this stuff come up, the, came up, uh, with, between us and the MBTA, the MBTA was, had been sued by four different property owners, two in New Bedford, two in Fall River. So the two property owners in New Bedford had property taken near the Church Street station that's being built. One of those went to trial, and the jury gave not gave the property owner not only what uh, – property owner actually – they gave the property owner more than the property owner had even asked for, right? Wow. To penalize the MBTA in effect. So – there have been four lawsuits. It's not like the city is doing something anything doing anything different. The the MBTA took about ten acres of land, right by the you know the, in the rail yard right along Herman Melville Boulevard, and you know we want to we want to work things out with with them. But I'm, as the mayor, I can't just sit there and say, oh sure, you just take the land. You don't have to pay us a dime for it. Like it'd be it'd be out of my mind to to do that. Well, all, so all we've asked for is. Give us fair market value. We did it. They gave us uh, for ten acres of land, and next to the busiest fishing port in the United States, they gave us four hundred something thousand dollars. Like anybody would just say, like, obviously that's 
that's peanuts for what that land is worth. It's fair to say that it is worth multiples more than that, many times more than that. So it's not like we're like a couple of hundred thousand dollars apart. We're, it's more like a few million dollars apart. And I, I'm sorry, I, call me crazy, but I don't, we're not, we don't, I'm not giving away land owned by the taxpayers of, of the city. Um, so, and I think people should understand that. We told the MBTA this when they took the land three years ago. We said, look, that's that's peanuts. We're up, and if you don't believe us, we'll go out and do our own appraisal. So we got a first-rate appraisal firm uh, based in Boston, not here. And they turned around, and, and so we gave them the appraisal and said, see, it's worth millions of dollars. And they and so let's let's try to work something out. They didn't do that, and so the statute of limitations period is counting down. It, it ended. It ends this month, and we've have since extended it. But um, but so with the clock ticking. We said, look, just so you're paying attention, we'll draft a complaint. Um, our lawyers will and give it to you so that you see that we're serious about this. So the MBTA and I have my theories about how this happened, but the MBTA decided. Uh, allowed for it to be leaked to the Boston Globe, and um, and that's a real problem when you're negotiating in, in good faith, and someone says they'll bring in bring in the media to try to leverage you. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe they thought they could push New Bedford around. Um, it probably hadn't, you know, newsflash that doesn't happen anymore. At least not as I, I've been mayor, right? We don't. We're, we're being reasonable and fair, but we are not going to get pushed around. And so that's how this all happened. Does it put the project in danger? Absolutely not, right? So you've heard all these these folks who've come on, uh, including elected officials, who said, well, this jeopardizes the project. Well, stop. And some of them are lawyers. You should stop and take a look at it and say, no, it doesn't. Read, read the complaint, and you'll note that the allegation is that the, the draft complaint, I emphasize, the allegation is that the land that the MBTA didn't have authority to take the land when it did because New Bedford wasn't in a so-called MBTA community at the time. It has since become an MBTA community by virtue of the vote that we all took in November. So the MBTA could walk into the the Bristol County Registry of Deeds on 6th Street this afternoon and file what's called the Notice of Taking for the same land, and it would be that whole count in the complaint would be moot they may not want to do that because the land has probably gone up in value in the last three years, but and whatever for whatever reason, they haven't done that. So this doesn't put anything in jeopardy. The project's still moving forward. This is just a matter of our getting fair value out of land, and that's what I'm prepared uh, to, to do. All right, why don't we take our final break of the hour. Uh, when we come back, if we have time, we'll squeeze in some phone calls, but we'll be back in a few moments. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. 